Hey, this is Adam. This is Mike. And this is David. From Super Best Friends Video Game Sleepover. We make a fortnightly video game podcast. Fortnite means every two weeks. Covering gaming news, game reviews. I give it five out of five tacos. And whatever crazy audience tweets come in. And sometimes celebrities like Arnold even stop by to sing karaoke. Oh, we, oh, I look just like Buzzy Each episode, we feature one burning topic, game dev interview, or super guest friend from the world of gaming. Check us out on the HP Video Game Podcast Network or on sbfvgs.com. I don't care about that. Wow. Welcome to The Life and Times of Video Games, a documentary and narrative-style podcast about video games and the video game industry, as they were in the past and how they came to be the way they are today. My name is Richard Moss, and this is episode 22, Wagogo. You'll probably recognize those sounds if you've ever played the hit strategy game Age of Empires. And maybe even if you haven't. It's what the priest units say while they attempt to convert an enemy unit to their religion through the magic of a repetitive chant. It was a way to turn the tides of battle without firing a single shot. A means of distraction to turn an enemy's forces upon themselves. Or a means of destruction. You'd give them the convert command and moments later, provided your priests had enough energy, the target unit would suddenly swap to your colours. A red uniformed guy turned blue, or whatever colour your army wore. And then you could marvel as chaos ensues. The Wogogo, as fans called it, in a nod to the priest's chant, became one of Age of Empires' most iconic moments, immortalised not only in player stories, of which there are thousands floating around online, but in meme. So how did some silly little nonsense chant from an old computer game come to be a viral cultural phenomenon, with a life of its own far beyond the game? The story starts in 1994 at an IT consulting company called Ensemble Corporation. One day, Ensemble co-founder Tony Goodman and programmer Angelo Loudon decided they wanted to have the company do a side project with just a small team where they make a game. Games are way more fun than databases. So they and a group of Ensemble employees, plus Bruce Shelley, the co-creator of Sid Meier's Civilization, went and started prototyping ideas. They tried lots of different things before they settled on an idea to do something like Civilization, but in real time, in a nod to Warcraft, a popular real-time strategy game that had just come out. And so they began to build something they called the Dawn of Man, where you'd control a tribe of cavemen as they form a village and struggle for survival. It's funny because it was really just a bunch of people whose this was their first time to try and make a game, and we were small, so everybody did tons and tons of different stuff. This is Chris Rippey, sound designer and, when he was needed, also level designer on the Age of Empires, as the game would eventually become known. He'd gotten involved through his older brother David, who had been working with Ensemble on some database consulting stuff. David and Chris and their other brother Stephen were given joint responsibility over the game's audio. Chris would handle the sound effects while David and Stephen did the music. Here's Stephen talking about it. Uh, the first game that we did was actually a little tank simulation game, and I did a little bit of music for that. And then as the idea for Age of Empires became more solid, I met with Tony Goodman and my brother David. I remember we had a, uh, this meeting where Tony sat us down, and he said, well, 
here's the game that we want to make, and I really want every piece of music to kind of tell a story. So you should be able to pull the music out of the game and get some kind of a story out of it, even if you don't know what's going on in the game. And so we came up with all of these different scenarios, like the, the one that we decided to go with was a hunt. So we, you know, the idea being is these early kind of cave people going out and hunting and, and bringing it back in and try to tell that through the music. So the pair of them went out into the woods with some microphones and made a bunch of caveman hunting noises. Really. Then they incorporated that into a rhythmic music piece. And at the end of the day, we got it pretty pretty close. You could tell what was going on. And uh, you could tell, well, we're making tools. We're stalking the, stalking the lion, killing the lion, bringing it back home. Uh, and we, we put it in the game and it was a complete disaster. It was just a joke. <laughs> it didn't work at all. They realised that they had overthought the entire thing, so they ripped it out and started again, with a much more subdued, understated style that blended heavy percussion with a nondescript wash of synthesizer sounds. So chosen because they'd sound okay even on computers with crappy built-in MIDI sound cards. Chris, similarly, was given really helpful high-level direction from Tony Goodman for his sound design. Tony was the president of the studio, but he... He was able to paint a pretty good picture of what the goals should be for for sound on it. And, and that's one of the things I remember most was him saying what he would like from it is to be able to turn off the monitor, not play the game, and almost have like a, um, like a not a meditation CD, but kind of an environmental CD playing. And what he meant by that is, is just make the game feel really alive and really peaceful when there's not combat going on, almost like a, a living world. So I took that to heart. So. I think if you turn off the turn off the monitor, you just have you're not paying attention to somebody playing, and you hear the town, the activities of the town, and you hear the birds, and you hear the water. Um, I think it's, it sounds pretty cool. It sounds like a nice, peaceful, living world. Mm. So that's something I remember. I remember doing the catapult sounds, which was taking a ruler and flopping it up against the side of a desk, and then just slowing it down so it sounded bigger. That's kind of funny. <laughs> But then all the all the voices. Unum, ready that's mod. probably the that, that all the voices in the game are are pretty much me. Donna e. And that's an and then completely invented language for that game for Age of Empires one. So recording all of those and coming up with the language myself was a mm. lot of fun. How'd you, how'd you go about doing that? Uh, you 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 had some inside jokes I know, but then also you're like pulling Latin words and like random stuff or something like that. Yeah, mostly it was ran- mostly it's random to be honest with you. So like um a lot of it a lot of it is uh like my wife's maiden name is in there, my college roommate's name is in there. Papadakis is one that you hear a lot. Papadakis. Rogan is one you hear a lot in the game. Rogan? Some of it is gibberish, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure some of it is just grabbing random latin phrases and saying it was not very artful it was it was more just coming up with something that uh sounded like it fit the era it's kind of interesting looking back on it how uh it was the sims like i think the year after or something that uh yeah, with with the uh, simish yeah that that popularized the idea of a fake language but you guys are ahead of the curve I guess so, yeah. Oh, they've done a great job of making it almost legit. I think people can talk Simish now, which is strange. I, mean, I think they have phrase books for it, whereas we did not. <laughs> you have to come over to me and ask me what it means. 
usually doesn't mean a whole lot. Case in point, our long-since memified priest chant. Now, with my apologies to the YouTuber who figured out that the more famous part of the chant, the wogogo part, but not the ayoho part before it, is pronounced like the Latin words vogolo, which together translate to the sentence fragment, I want from him. Now, despite this excellent detective work and the clear relevance it has, the priest chant didn't really have that much thought behind it. It's probably not nearly as an interesting story as as uh, people think, but it came about from some some old, we'll just say, some old family recordings that we had passed down from generations. And then I grabbed some some sounds out of that and did some altering to it. And that led to Wololo. And, I, and I honestly, I think, I am pretty sure I put it in as a joke. And it just, I put it in not just to see if it would stick and see how people would react to it. And, it, and uh, people took to it really, really quickly. So I left it. I left it in, and then the secondary one, the IA part, was just to make it sound not as uh, repetitive. Mm. But I am glad it stuck. It's weird. It's weird the the attention it got because I really do think it was just put in as, as a lark at first, and then people took to it at the studio. So we so we left it. Yeah, and it it's funny the the mythos that's that's created around the game. You can find you can find a whole lot yeah. of videos on YouTube of people who've sent like priest armies <laughs> to take on their their opponents, and you just hear this chorus of "Oh, yes, uh, I know, yes." It makes me so <laughs> proud. <laughs> there's a I saw there's also a video of someone just playing it on repeat over and over and over and over and over with a hyper like a super pixelated picture of the priest, and that's all you see in the sound going over and over and over and over. We'll continue with the story right after this short break. The Life and Times of Video Games is made possible by listeners like you who support the show with one-time or monthly donations via PayPal and Patreon. If you'd like to become a supporter and get perks like ad-free episodes and bonus content, head to lifeandtimes.games donate and make a contribution to help me keep this show alive. Hi, I'm Chris Penwell from ActiveQuest. And I'm Joseph Yaden. We are a video game podcast that takes a deep dive into the news, covering the latest gaming trends and stories pertaining to the industry. We also do our best to cover the most recent games and like to have an ongoing discussion with the audience. You can contact us on Twitter at ActiveQuestShow or via email at ActiveQuestPodcast at gmail.com. Please leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you hear. You can also find us on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify and Google Play. We appreciate you listening, everyone. And now, on to the show. Alright, let's get back to the show. Where we left off, we just heard about how Wogglegolt was made. Now, let's hear about what happened next. For Age of Empires 2, the priests got replaced by monks. And Chris's brother Stephen provided a new conversion sound to go with it. Here's Stephen explaining where that came from. Which I can never live up to Wololo, but <laughs> I tried. It was a, um, let's see, I might even have it around here. It was a child's toy that was like a, it was an apple. And if you shook it, it made this really nice bell sound. But um, yeah, it's definitely, here's the, uh, there's the H2 sound. Uh, and then my wife, 
uh, will be proud to tell you that she is the female villager getting killed. Wogogot remained in the game, though, hidden in amongst the taunts players could use in multiplayer. For when you were so confident in your ability to crush your opponent that you felt you had time to pull up the chat box and activate any of 42 short voice samples, or 105 in the 2019 Definitive Edition, in order to taunt them. Wogogo slotted in at number 30, wedged between Rogan and Attack an Enemy Now. Other highlights included Yes, smite me. Nice town. I'll take it. And Monk! I need a monk! All voiced by Chris and Steven. But Wogogo outdid them all. Where the others remained inside jokes for hardcore fans and longtime players, trotted out for a bit of fun here and there. Wogogo became a fully-fledged meme. Was there a point at which you you noticed, hey, this thing seems to be taking a life on, of its own? Not for a long time. It, I mean, you know, people would mention from Microsoft, they would joke about it, but they would talk about, like, they loved David and Steven's soundtrack, so they would talk about the soundtrack a lot. So to me, it was just another thing that they thought was was cool, which was great. So I didn't expect it to be, you know, it seems like it was... Not, not that long ago that it became that it caught my attention that people are enjoying it more than you'd think they would. So yeah, so it's kind of kind of a in the last ten years to me it seems like it's gotten a lot more of attention. Indeed, Wallogol's burst in popularity appears to be tied inextricably to the rise of Web 2.0, to the mid 2000s transition from text first internet communication via instant messaging apps and online message boards to social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter and Reddit and YouTube. There are scattered mentions of Wogogo before that, mainly in forum posts asking what it actually means, but it wasn't until 2005 when the chant got memefied, courtesy of a user called Of Toronto on the website You're the Man Now Dog, or YTMND for short. The way the site worked is people would set up a simple static web page with an animation or an image and an infinitely looping sound file. So this of Toronto user put up a tiled screenshot of a solitary priest chanting over and over again. And they called the page, you are being converted. That's apparently all it took for the meme to begin its spread around the internet. Though it wasn't until 2009 when YouTuber Nov1706 uploaded 10 minutes of constantly repeating Wogolos, that it really started to get big. Like most memes, people would spread it around because it was ridiculous and kind of funny. And also like most memes, there were plenty more minor variations getting made. Gradually, the meme grew beyond just the novelty of the sound to really embrace the full meaning of the source material. It's about conversion, remember. So jokes about Wogogo being used to change someone's shirt colour, and preferably also their mind or allegiance on things, abounded. One of my favourite examples was when a football player transferred from one Milan-based team to another, one of which wears blue and black stripes, and the other red and black. There's an oft-used roses are red, violets are blue, Wogogo, now roses are too, image as well, with lots of its own variants. And I got a kick out of seeing one that superimposed the lyrics of R.E.M.'s Losing My Religion over a screenshot of a villager in the corner being converted by an enemy priest. And I found a Facebook page for the Church of Wogogo 
with 242 likes as I record it, and hundreds if not thousands of doctored photos of real-life priests with Wogogol speech bubbles and their church robes modified to sport one of the Age of Empires player colours. And of course, there are dozens of Wogogol t-shirt designs, because you can't have a meme without a stupid t-shirt of it. And if you go searching for more examples of the meme, you're sure to also come across a hit South African dance song, which, to the great disappointment of hundreds of YouTube commenters, has absolutely nothing to do with either the game or the meme that's grown out of it. Rather, I read somewhere the song uses wo as a slang term to mean an exclamation of approval, like, yeah, you do that thing, which is a shame because wo could do with a banging dance number to knock its socks from blue to green. I'm personally something of a Wogogol purist, though. I think my favourite uses of the meme are both directly connected to the game. One is just a Wogogol army that you can watch on YouTube. It's a horde of priests doing battle against a rival, converting enemy troops en masse as they race around the map. And the other was when Microsoft's social media team made Wogogol the centrepiece for their video announcement of Age of Empires Definitive Edition's February 2018 launch date. Like, if you want to show your community that you've been paying attention, there are few ways more effective than adopting their favourite meme with a good nod and a wink. Rogan? Uh, do, you, do you have any, any theories or ideas on, on what it is about this chant that's made it resonate so strongly with so many people? Um, I don't know. I think because cause it, does, it, you know, it does something iconic in the game. It switches the player to your side, which is pretty cool. So it's, a, it's kind of a, uh, you know, you have the unassuming priest in the game and, and he's so weak otherwise. But he does the coolest thing in the game, probably, and then to have that attached to to such a um, easily repeatable and kind of recognizable voice line, I think that's a. Uh, I guess that's why I'm not. I'm not real sure. It's an iconic thing, you know. the The event is an iconic event in the game, and then to have kind of an easily representative sound, I guess that's why. And yeah. <laughs> if if you'd known that that in your career one thing would become this huge meme that, 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 that's much bigger than you. <laughs> I know, but it's great. It's not bad being a kind of a, a sound effect one-hit wonder. <laughs> so it's, I can live with that. I can live with it. Wogogol was never meant to be popular. It was barely even intended to be heard. And I think that's the real root of its success and that strange meme legacy it now has. It wasn't planned out in detail or laboured over for weeks. But rather it was just made on a whim and dropped in, ill-considered, if at all, to fill a slot in a list of sounds they needed. Just some nonsense that seemed fun at the time that somehow stuck around. The same thing has happened with many other games over the years, where the sounds produced without much consideration are the ones that become fan favourites. Like the orc responses in Warcraft, which I know for a fact were mainly improvised by various members of the team. The in Lemmings, the nya 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 from Dark Castle that we heard about in episode 20. Or, I'm guessing, though I'm not entirely sure, hey, bite me twice. Grand Theft Auto's insults, damn foreigners. terrified screams, 
by just doing what felt natural and not really thinking about it. Chris inadvertently tapped into the zeitgeist. He created a sound that made people laugh and wonder in the same breath. And it was a sound that oddly fit its purpose more perfectly than anything he might have designed, with more of a serious, focused intent, to symbolise the forced conversion of an enemy unit. Plus, the ongoing popularity of the game itself helps a lot with awareness. Age 1 and 2 both still have hundreds of thousands of active players, some through the definitive editions and HD remasters that have been released over the past five years or so, and others through the original games, which people never stopped playing. And as Chris said, it just so happens that this sound mapped to one of the coolest features in the game, a feature that would be one hell of a cool power to have over people in real life. So maybe the answer to my question of its strange popularity and meme-friendliness is none of that stuff I just said. Maybe it's got nothing to do with the zeitgeist. Maybe it's just power fantasies and jokes about power fantasies presented in the language of the internet. Or maybe it's just one of those inexplicable, unexplainable things, answered with a shrug and a vague reference to the interwebs. The Life and Times of Video Games is created entirely by me, Richard Moss, with support from my wonderful patrons who have kept this show alive and are giving me hope that I could one day turn it into my job. So an extra special thanks to those of you who've donated money through PayPal and Patreon. And a shout out, as always, to my producer level backers, Eric Zocker, Simon Moss, Vivek Mohan, Wade Trugaskis, and Seth Robinson. If you'd like to join them in supporting the show on an ongoing basis for ad-free episodes and bonus content and other stuff, head to patreon.com slash lifeandtimesofvideogames. That's patreon.com slash lifeandtimesofvideogames. All one word. Or head to lifeandtimes.games slash donate which also has information about donating through PayPal or subscribing to my new premium feed on Breaker. And if you don't have the money to spare, you can still help me out by telling other people about the show. Share it on Reddit and Hacker News and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all the other social networks and news sites. Email it to your friends and family, play it for your colleagues, whatever you like. The more people who listen, the better the chance that I can keep making this thing in the long term. And it also helps to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser or anywhere else that takes podcast reviews. I'd really love to turn the Life and Times of Video Games into my job one day. So if you enjoyed this episode or anything else I've made, just please find some way to share it or review it. And as always, you can find past episodes, where to listen links, donation info, partial transcripts and all that good stuff at the website lifeandtimes.games Until next time, my name is Richard Moss, and this was The Life and Times of Video Games. Thanks for listening. See ya. Hey everyone, this is Rob and Jay from the Classic Gaming Podcast. We uh, play and talk about old school video games on our podcast. I know you probably couldn't have guessed that from the name of it, but uh, as for me, I tend to prefer the old, the good old point and click adventure game genre. I also like strategy games. I play a lot of a wide variety of stuff. Uh, 
Uh, as for Jay? Yeah, I'm really partial to RPGs and RTSs, so things like Final Fantasy Tactics and Chrono Trigger to that of StarCraft or Age of Empires. Um, generally at the podcast, we try to stay on topic, but we usually end up going off on super, super far tangents. Give us a listen over at the HP Video Game Podcast Network. You can also find us at ClassicGamingPodcast.com, and uh, we hope you check us out.